I feel like that's what really cutting edge companies are doing is empowering their people versus you know locking down where marketing at times can be like, why'd you post that? What do you didn't yeah. have permission to post that? Why did you do that? Like, I mean, that's some like 2008 level thinking. You're listening to the Flip My Funnel podcast, a daily podcast dedicated to helping B2B marketing, sales, and customer success professionals become masters of their craft. It's Wednesday, and in these episodes, Sangram and myself, James Carberry, focus on personal development. We'll share books and other resources that are helping us get a little bit better every single day. And remember, like Sangram always says, without a community, you are simply a commodity. Here we go. Hello, everybody, and thank you so much for joining us again for the third part in our four-part ABM webinar series. We are super excited to have Jillian with us today to chat about their favorite sales activation strategies. So there's going to be a lot of really hands-on advice with their perspectives on how they're working to activate their sales team, to penetrate those target accounts and see ABM success. Um, and of course, again, you guys also have the opportunity to submit your own question. With that, I'm going to hand things over to Sangram. So Sounds good. Bailey, thank you so much. I am so pumped. This is, as Bailey said, third. And, and every time it gets even more exciting. And when I see somebody having love ABM in their whiteboard in the back, that makes me even more happy. So thanks for doing this. So this is really cool. We have a practitioner at a big organization doing sales, like doing ABM, but they understand the value of sales. And I have always said this, and I've got a lot of criticism as a marketer, that the value of marketing is defined by sales. And most marketers hate me for that. It's like, no, 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 we do brand stuff. I'm like, no, 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 we exist to drive sales incremental exponentially. Otherwise, there's no reason for us to have a job. And, and people go, marketers really hate me for that. But I believe that's true. So I thought it'd be awesome to hear from Jillian on this idea of like, how do you do that at a big company like Thomson Reuters? Because it's gotta be bigger and more challenging. And then I cannot be more excited about Jake because Jake has been doing some incredible things through his scale consulting and all the videos he does on LinkedIn around how sales should operate in the modern world. So Julian and Jake, welcome to this, this thing that we're running through this series. And I'd love for each one of you to introduce yourself a little bit more, tell, tell a little bit about yourself and a fun fact before we dive into how do you activate your sales. So let's start with Julian. All right. Thank you, Sangram. I'm Jillian Gartner. I'm the director of account-based marketing at Thomson Reuters, specifically focused on the legal professionals division. And a fun fact about me is that I was a child model when I was four for Little Tykes. So uh, it was a toolbox and it was very early 90s, a lot of fun, had a blast doing it. And now I, on a weird, awkward poster in my parents' house, <laughs> Uh, which is probably where it belongs. <laughs> well, now we got to go try to dig it up on YouTube somewhere. Oh, gosh. Yeah. There, <laughs> I think I posted it on Twitter once for fun. <laughs> All right. We'll go, back. we'll go find it. I like it. So I'm Jake Dunlap. I'm the CEO of Scaled Consulting and Scaled Media. Scaled is a company I started six years ago to help sales organizations through various stages of scaling. You know, as things start to break, when you go from five to 20 million in revenue and 20 to 100 million, you know, there's all these different pieces, both operationally, uh, playbooks, et cetera. So we consult with some of the fastest growing technology companies in the world and some of the largest tech companies in the world, helping to optimize components of their sales organization. So 
you know, we started off working with a lot of kind of rapid growth startups since then, you know, we've been working with a lot of large fortune 500 companies that are really trying to modernize, you know, they see like the, the small amounts of revenue being taken by these startups and they're trying to bring, you know, kind of new insight. And I think ABM is certainly one of those things where they're like, yeah, there's, there's this thing that we need to do, but I think there's a lot of noise as there always has been around ABM and, and what that actually means. So a lot of the work that we do is around, you know, optimizing demand gen strategy, sales processes, account growth in different parts for different organizations. And we we just launched Scaled Media, which is a uh, professional personal brand agency focused on kind of harnessing this new power of LinkedIn. Really, I see LinkedIn now as, as one of the most important opportunities for professionals today. That if you're not thinking about your professional brand and what that's gonna do for you, you're you're missing out on a really unique time and place that won't come again. And so we started that to help CEOs and executives level up. Fun fact about me, I have one OCD habit, and what it is, I have to do this when I put on my deodorant in the morning. I have to do left, right, left every time. Like, I don't know what it is, but it's like something I've developed. I have no other habits. I don't have to arrange things. It's just I have to do like left, right, left. I don't know why. That's it. Oh, man. So I'm a big fan of Monk. And you know, if you have seen the Monk show and all the every new little thing and stuff, that totally reminded me of like trying to arrange everything. Very but clearly, it's not with everything else. So it's interesting. All right. So let's dive in directly into it, right? For, for people who have been listening to it, Monday was about how do you target better, right? Like targeting is super important. So, so we covered that and we'll send the recording for people who missed. Yesterday, we talked about engagement, why engagement is important. And, and once you figure out who to go after, now you figure out what is the right way of engaging. Maybe it means LinkedIn, maybe it means social, maybe it means direct mail, whatever that means. But today, I personally believe is probably most important because I have not come across a single organization in the last four or five years, written two books of ABM, like, I have not come across a single organization where ABM has been successful with our sales being a fully partner, like literally partnering one team. So let's start with you, Jillian, and, and share maybe the story that you have as a big organization, the success that you have. And then I would love, like this is a free flow conversation for Jake to just, and Jillian, just jump into it as you have thoughts and ideas. Uh, but I'd love for you to share just at a high level, what is the success you saw and what was the role of sales in that? A great question. So the success we saw in the last year of our account-based marketing program is that we, so just some additional background on our program, we layer on account-based marketing, uh, really high touch, high level touch points to our most high valued customers. And, and it's really a high value account program. And in the last year layered on these touch points and really scaled our program and achieved a 95% win rate. Now that's very high, but um, how we achieved that win rate was because a lot of our account-based marketing efforts are focused solely around renewals and driving incremental revenue toward with each renewal we have. And so, you know, our 95% win rate was not because our ABM efforts knocked everything out of the park because they were great, they were fantastic, and our team is super talented, but it was because of the relationship we have with our sales team that it enabled us to hit that mark. And, you know, we have a very strong trusted relationship with our sales team that really is built on trust. So we've tested various tactics, everything from events to programmatic ads to personalized door openers and direct mail 
pretty much every trick in the book. But when it comes to account-based marketing, what we found is that works best is when we know the situation with the companies we're targeting and what their pain points are and where they're at in the sales cycle so that we can partner with our sales team accordingly so that we're helpful and not you know, additional noise in the sales process for them. Um, but really helping to accelerate pipeline and keep our team top of mind with the companies we're targeting. I love that. And, and Jillian, Amanda, and Jake, just jump in as, as you feel free. I feel like I want people not to miss this. You're talking about a 95% win rate, and you have been very clear it is not for acquisition. It is for like re renewals and retention. And I want people to recognize that marketing a lot of times feels like or that they all have they all have to just focus on acquisition as a way to drive business and drive revenue. And I think what I love for people to take away from just this part of the conversation is that no, color of the money is green, no matter where you go and how you look at it. So if you can drive business for your organization, you can really get, a, you can figure out pipeline velocity, customer marketing, expansion, upsell, cross it. There's a ton of opportunities just sitting in front of you. And that that just means that you have to just think more critically about where to drive revenue. But Jake, I'd love to hear your thoughts on just that story. Yeah, I look, I love it. I mean, I, I, I've talked about this a lot lately that I think and, and the, the beautiful part that that you have, you know, Jillian, is like being in the you know a larger company. You're focused on current account growth, and I think in the little startup world bubble, there is such an over focus on net new, and like the amount of money that's laying on the floor from our current clients. If we just treated on the way that we wanted to grow and interact with our current clients with the same amount of focus that we gave to new business, it would transform so many different tech companies that I know. And so what I love here is like. I think this is a really important point that if you know a large company established in their space is finding incremental success in using this approach, a, you know, a growth stage company that's only been in existence for five to seven years, imagine the results you can see, right? Imagine the results that you could see if you dedicated a, you know, someone on the ABM side to actually growing and working with your current account. So I think it's just such an awesome use case. And I think anybody who's at a growth stage technology company or, you know, uh, you know, even rapid growth, right? Sub 100 million needs to hear that we focus, spend so much of our attention and time on net new, and we just sleep on all that money laying on the floor. It's our current customers and our ability to grow that that relationship there. So I, I think it's just such a, a great practical example of it actually in, in play, which is awesome. Awesome. All right. So I love for both of you, like just jump into this topic. I hear a lot about marketing and sales alignment, and I hate that word alignment because to me, that just means like, you know, I don't need to align with my wife. Like, I mean, we, we don't need to align. You need to be one team, right? I mean, there's no alignment kind of thing. It feels so awkward and so rules-based, so so much like, you know, agreements and stuff like that. It's, it's not that. It's like, I cannot be successful in my life without my partner, my wife. And, and I feel like I hope she feels the same way about me. And that's how we want to drive our world. Uh, otherwise, we will be checking on each other. And so when I hear about, uh, MQLs and LSQLs and SLAs, the service level agreements between marketing and sales, all of this drives me nuts because that just means that there's no trust there and you have to have these rules. So how do you drive this one team mentality in sales and marketing and then what's the what's the problem? Yeah, I'll, I'll, give, my, I'll give my quick take on this. And there, there's a lot of different reasons why this happens. I mean, one is just legacy, right? Sales and marketing aren't used to working together. Like it's not, it's not normal. Like it, it, it isn't what has happened for forever. Usually you have marketing doing some things, sales 
thinking they should do something else. It's a very rare opportunity where the two are aligned. I think a lot of this candidly goes to compensation, meaning when, when Aaron, Rose, Aaron, Aaron Ross wrote Predictable Revenue, we came up with this concept of MQL being this magic thing. And if you just had enough of these magic things, then sales would, would come out of the, the, the back end of it. And so we started compensating marketing on that magic little thing. And, and, and we stopped thinking about kind of the rest of the journey, right? And, and so to me, I feel like until we fix compensation alignment, and how these two groups are bonus, both you know, sales, leadership, and marketing, and we tie it to you know the first activity or even tying everything to revenue, I think is the easiest way, even though there definitely is an element of brand that I think is really important to take into account. I think you these groups, you, you cannot have sales and marketing alignment if the compensation structure is off. If marketing at the CMO level is being compensated on MQLs, and that's the main part of their bonus for the people on their team, you will never have, it's very, I shouldn't say never, you should, it's very, very difficult. So to me, a lot of this starts with, are the team incentives aligned? You know, and that that helps to get everyone in that, that mind frame, you know? That helps to get everyone yeah. like, aligned. And, and there's obviously a lot more into it, but I think that's the one that we kind of sleep on a little bit. Yeah, um, yeah. I, I love it. How's it for you? How did you bring alignment or one team? So I think, you know, from... I definitely agree with Jake's points along the lines of compensation. You know, while I won't get into the details of our marketing compensation, but one thing that we are very conscious of is how our sales partners are compensated. So we were conscious of sales cycles and where their commission checks are coming from. So we're not going to pick renewals or big acquisitions that probably won't happen for the next two to five years. We're focusing on where their range is and where their focus is to help them meet their number for the year and the following year as well. So that that has helped us because, you know, when we kicked off the program, you know, that was one of the first things that we put in place. And so, you know, sales folks are motivated by money and, and marketing folks are, too. Um, so we just need to make sure that that we're aligned in how folks are being compensated and what the sales folks are going after. But then really when we've really focused on alignment and fostering that strong relationship, I agree with you, Sangram. I don't like the word alignment because it should just happen. It should already be in place. And we found that happen organically um, after we've had some strong success stories. So as a practitioner, my team and I, we've, when we have strong success stories, we make them known to the sales organization and also our other marketing partners too. So uh, when we've had events that hit home runs or door openers that just made people that ignored us actually pay attention, just tactically, we we share those with our our other peers and our other partners, make sure they're known, and then figure out how we can apply those on a br more broader level to other accounts where it makes sense. So that's also helped us establish a level of trust and you know that true partnership that we really need between sales and marketing. All right. So to give, like, I know this is what has happened in the last couple of when where people said, well, give us practical tips of doing this. How do I activate my sales team? So I have, so let's just go through a scenario. You're an organization today. Let's imagine somebody listening to this right now. They have a contentious marketing and sales. Let's just use that as a scenario where marketing and sales are not on the same page. Their compensations are not aligned. They don't have the power to align the compensation right now. It's a much bigger ordeal for them to do. It's really a CEO decision for, in many, many ways. What are the a couple of things they could do today to start building the real relationship 
And then we will go to another scenario after that saying, okay, marketing and sales, they actually do have a good relationship, but they're not like highly like one team oriented. So what can they do at the next level? So let's just start with the organizations that are just trying to have, they know their success depends on each other, but are not. And what are the one or two small steps they can take to that? I would say just a quick piece of advice is to make sure that then I'm going to use the word I don't like, but <laughs> make sure you're aligned and that you know that you are on the same team and have focus on that too and make it known to people and be willing to have the tough conversations so that, you know, you can go into the sales team or a couple members of the sales team or pick a leader and have the tough conversation that, you know, I know we haven't always gotten along or our teams aren't always aligned or, you know, headed in the right or the same direction. But we're here to help you as marketers, and we want to make sure that we're a critical piece of your success and that we're helping and not harming the situation for you. So just reestablishing that trust, I think, is really important and being willing to have those tough conversations with sales team members or leaders where appropriate is really, really helpful. Um, I've been in that situation myself. Yeah, I I think you have to have owners from each side, meaning like, and I think the other the other thing that I see is that companies don't they don't think of this they they usually start to think about it as like a campaign they almost start to think of ABN as like a because because we're so used to if it's not calls and emails it's like then it's a campaign and it's like no 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 it's just a different way to continue to do new things so I think the two things for me is making sure that you have one or two full time people from you know each group and maybe it's just you know X percent of their day that's dedicated to this but that you don't just have the first plan, you have the second and third to really show to the organization that this isn't a, this isn't something that we're just going to try, that we're actually going to commit to trying to make it work. And so I think when I see organizations that do this well, we're able to get, you know, maybe not a full-time person from marketing, but you know, marketing manager or someone from marketing, we're able to get someone from the sales development team or for the enterprise account team, just depending on where the champion might come from. And we're able then to help to like build the, you know, sequences, right? And the different things that are going to happen from a, you know, nurturing, retargeting, all these different things together. And then that we also have a strong optimization plan in place. That would be kind of the third thing that it's not a, Hey, we built it. Now we're just going to keep running it. Understanding that that's why you need to have two or three of these planned out. Just, you know, theoretically, we're thinking about this is going to happen in the future. Let's think about optimizing it. It's not set it and forget it. So for me, if there's not owners from each group, we don't have the mindset that there's multiple of these like, you know, kind of targeting like concepts that are going to, and it could just be the next wave of the same targets. That's fine too. It doesn't need to be new verticals or something every time. And then we don't have an optimization plan without those three things. I think that's, I think that's where I see companies struggle, yeah. whether it's current accounts or, or new accounts. I love that. All right. So to summarize that portion of it for people, organizations that have this contentious marketing and sales, find an owner find a leader, start the conversation, maybe find one or two people and start there. Don't think about it as a campaign, help them understand what the end result is, maybe sequence this the right way and just create a plan to have it optimized along the way, not just just do one thing and just run away. Just actually be with it because you're gonna get it wrong and you're gonna fail. And if you don't stay with it, especially without you with your partners, that's where the trust is, as Julian, you were mentioning also. So with that being for organizations that are contentious, we got that. For the people listening to this right now who like, you know what, we ain't got so bad. We are good. We have relationship. Our sales and marketing actually talk to each other. 
but we just want to take it to the next level, right? We, we really want to evolve because I think, Julian, what you have done in your organization to have that level of win rate, I don't think it's possible without actually taking it to the next level than just being that, hey, so, so both of you, like, what can they do to take it to, the, what is the new thing they can do? What is the new idea that they can pull together? So I think one new idea that I have is to sort of, you know, taking the sales and marketing relationship to the next level would be giving the sales team reasons to believe. So promoting your success stories, building up that trust, finding a couple champions in the sales team and getting them to talk to their peers or get quotes from them um, if needed to sort of market your marketing team to, to the rest of the group. I think that's helpful. And then don't be afraid to survey them. This is something my team does. We survey our sales team that we work with, or three different teams this year, and we see great feedback. And it's not just, yay, you guys are doing a great job. We actually, it's all anonymous. We get constructive feedback and it's directed towards my team. So we take the results very seriously and we, you know, oftentimes can gauge, we always ask for which team the sales reps are part of so we can isolate where some problems might be or opportunities for growth. So, you know, we have been really fortunate with the results of our surveys to really use those as learnings and, you know, really gauge the temperature in our relationship with the sales team. I love both of those ideas. Jay, your thoughts? I mean, I, I think that those are the right things. I mean, I, I don't know if I have like a ton of like additional, like interesting points to add. Uh, the, the thing I might add is I think other than the, the tactical day-to-day -day of wins and what's happening, I think the more that marketing can like empower sales teams. So outside of just the, hey, here's the, here's the win we had. Hey, ABM's great. It's working. Hey guys, do it. I think I think with marketing today, and, and I don't you know, know what the team at, at Thompson does, so I, I'm not I'm just extrapolating here. It's I don't think they do a good enough job of empowering salespeople with like very specific things that they can use outside of that that window. It's like, you know, I'm providing them windows, but but how you really build trust with a sales org is just always providing value. You know, hey, here's this new thing that we did. Here's this, here's this new content we curated for this problem that you told us that you had. So I think it's, you know, how can you help them to get that next layer deep into the sales funnel and, and understanding their needs there to where you can help to kind of continue to add support or content. I think that's what I see I great that. marketing teams do. I love that. All right. So I'll summarize the, the points for the companies who are trying to take it from 1.0 to 2.0, which is find your champions, love the idea of surveys. I think, Julian, you guys do like twice a year survey with your sales organization, which is like incredible. And then your point, Jake, on the idea of this constantly providing value, because I don't think you can run, run out of things that sales want from marketing anytime, uh -huh. right? But if you can come back and say, I heard you, which is really what everybody wants to hear is that I hear you, right? So if you say, sales, I heard that you're having trouble with this particular particular segment. I just created something just for this. I think it goes, goes a long way. All right. So I think we're just about to get the questions in. So... Bailey, let's just uh, put some questions out. Yeah, I have a couple of questions that we'll get started. So for those of you who are watching, if there are any specific questions you want to ask, feel free to pop them in and we'll ask them. But I do want to kick things off by diving a little bit deeper in the weeds. So I know we've spent kind of the first half of this talking largely about, you know, activating this idea of the team mentality between sales and marketing. But I would say that the second half of, you know, sales and marketing success, at least determinants, is how our sales team on a day-to-day -day basis is 
taking the information that marketing is providing to them and then using that in their day-to-day outreach. So a lot of that is involved specifically with, you know, the information you have about your account. So I would raise the question to both of you is, you know, on a day-to-day basis, are your sales teams using any specific information about your accounts, whether it's how they're engaging with their content, whether they're, you know, opening your emails or not, and how are they using that account-specific information to tailor their outreach? Yeah, I'll try to give you an example of what we're seeing in, in a wide variety of different company types. And maybe, you know, I'll start, I like this this idea of talking about current accounts first, because I, I really feel like it's so important. If I was an account manager today, I would make sure that I was connected on LinkedIn with every single one of my accounts. And every day I was adding value to their lives. That every day, and it's not, by the way, just term, no, you know, no, it's not all terminus propaganda. Like, terminus is the best, we're the best. Oh my God, terminus, did you know we did this? Gartner's Magic Quadrant. Instead, it's like, how are you positioning yourself as an expert? So they they like to do business with you and the company. So to me, I feel like the companies that are really winning right now understand that, again, LinkedIn is a place where, again, if your buyers are there, if your buyers don't exist on LinkedIn, you sell into like surgeons, don't use LinkedIn, right? But, but for those of us that do sell into LinkedIn, LinkedIn, I think is a great way to do that. But if I was an account manager, I would be thinking about if you connect with your people and you just add value all the time. And it's the same thing for the sales development team as well, too. It's like, imagine these kind of, you know, these sequences are running and then I'm adding value on my LinkedIn. And I think that's the big opportunity that I see for the sales organization as a whole is how to move away from being marketing mouthpieces for your company because it's not working. You go and look at the engagement that your teams get it's, and even your C-level executives get, it's not great because you're going to share company, 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 and we see through that now. And so I think one of the biggest things for marketing sales alignment right now and for marketing and sales marriage for living together is how can we empower those people on how to like just engage with people, like how to have like conversations on social channels. So I feel like that's what really cutting edge companies are doing is empowering their people versus, you know, locking down where marketing at times can be like, why'd you post that? What do you didn't yeah. have permission to post that? Why did you do that? Like, I mean, that's some like 2008 level thinking. You have 400 salespeople. Why not unleash all of them every day? You know, so I feel like that to me is the next frontier and the companies that figure that out are going to are going to really destroy it. Love that. All right. Jillian, what do you think? Great. So, you know, using the, I guess, a way to help keep that engagement going, um, you know, it's I agree with everything Jake mentioned. I think um, giving just reminding the sales folks that we know we're marketing to people. So we're, we're not marketing to a robot. We're using account-based marketing techniques to drive engagement, accelerate the pipeline and create meaningful experiences so that our reps can get in front of the right people to build relationships and, you know, establish credibility so that the influencers and the decision makers can ultimately buy our products and services. So, you know, for us, it's making sure we're giving our sales team meaningful um, data points as well. So, you know, when we're using, as an example, the Terminus platform, and we see people from one particular account just engaging with um, our content across the board, like gangbusters, we'll let our sales team know. Uh, we're watching that pretty closely. So anywhere we can give account-specific advice, I think that just drives a lot of relevance with our sales team. I love that. I would, I would add to all of this is that this idea of being on LinkedIn or being all that stuff, I think I still feel almost 99% of the organizations think like it's it's not the way people buy. 
I still don't believe that that's what the most executives think. It's like, oh, there's the, there goes that couple of people. They're probably millennials. Let me just throw that word out there and say. And I feel like none of us here, and, and I think all, oh, like, I, I might be the oldest here on the call, but, like, man, I feel like there's so much going on that is happening for real, and the real business is actually happening. It's not because people are putting... Uh, putting about their their company, they're actually adding ton of value to every single conversation. But to enable the entire organization to do that is an entirely another thing. And I think marketing can play a huge role in enabling your sales team to look smart and look valuable because the sale, the buyers already know measure of the information. So our, it's our job to make our salespeople look uh, look smart. So and not not just smart with more of your company stupid stuff like that's the problem is stop just giving them more insights about your company that's not why people want to hear from your team they don't want to hear like if everything you're sharing is about your new product release and that you won best places to work and that you're hiring like you're never gonna it's never gonna work and i think that that's the mistake most marketers are they're not it's like marketers in gen like we're just not trained to say like what do you mean jacob give them information from other companies that's relevant like i have they uh like it almost doesn't compute that i would be giving and empowering my teams with not our own content instead yes. i want to teach them how to forage for content and share their own opinions like oh my god like i know that's like the most revolutionary god forbid the account <laughs> manager shared their opinion on like you know the space of account based versus Terminus, yeah. terminus, terminus, Thomson Reuters. Like, I think that, that that to me is the next frontier for marketers is marketers are going to have to learn how to not regulate, but empower the front lines. And it's not just with your own company stuff. And I think that's where so many marketers struggle. They don't know how to do it. They don't know how to not generate company branded content around products or, or our latest blog post or our latest white paper. And, and that the companies that are able to realize that, that it's just about our people sharing relevant stuff in the space, whether it's our stuff or other people's stuff, that's that's what people resonate with, not with yeah. your company stuff. I love that. The next question that we have is another tactical question. Um, it's a question about examples of successful door openers. So whether that's a direct mail piece or any other thing you guys have used to start a conversation. So I would post to both of you, if there's any examples of successful door openers, and then I would also add a follow-up to that to say, were there any sort of things you were looking for to trigger that sentence? So whether it was like an if then, like if I noticed that somebody went gangbusters on my website, then we send this, or if they're not answering my phone calls, then we'll send this. So what kind of you know workflow you guys are following with those examples? That's a great question. So just two examples that my team has um, tested and used this year that Again, we're marketing to people and people have needs. <laughs> and so uh, we tried to hit on those needs. So, you know, two examples of uh, door openers that we've done just to, again, simple stuff, getting in the door. We're not even pushing our product at all, just trying to get an initial conversation. So, you know, some examples of door openers, uh, one of them included, it was gourmet popcorn with a handwritten note from the sales team. And it was a small bag put in a little box and it required signature upon delivery. So that helps get beyond any gatekeepers. A lot of the companies we reach have a ton of gatekeepers. So this really got made sure that we the packages were delivered to our intended recipient's desk. And so 
popcorn with a note. Uh, people loved it. They wanted to chat. And then one other thing, and I know Terminus has used this too, is uh, a lot of business people love fancy socks. And so we ordered some Thompson Reuters branded flashy looking socks, or they weren't even branded. They were just our colors and said, you know, we'd love to have a conversation that'll knock your socks off. You know, we tested played so many puns on just socks in general. And we tested it with one company that we have been trying to get in the door. It's a big acquisition for us and they just have been ignoring us. And it, it worked a couple months ago. Um, so we've, our sales team's been able to have some initial conversations with them. So, you know, from socks to popcorn, people, you know, I think hitting on their needs is really helpful. A lot of times, you know, giveaways such as iPads or um, Google Homes with the video component, like high value items make a lot of sense too. But sometimes it's just hitting at the simple needs of people need to eat and wear socks. <laughs> I don't know what it is about the socks. So my previous role was at a legal marketing company. So I also know how hard it is to get in front of attorneys. Yeah. Those gatekeepers take your job yeah. incredibly seriously. <laughs> but we did, we did the sock thing too. And so I would have clients. I had one client. It was for a customer for campaign. So it wasn't like new acquisition. But I had a client text me a picture of him wearing the socks. And he they became his lucky trial socks. So he That's wore them awesome. every time. Wow. That's awesome. Very cool. That's what you want, right? You want to be everyone's yeah. lucky trial socks. Like that's like <laughs> that's ultimate, ultimate success. I mean, look, I, I think what we advise a lot of our clients are is how do you make it relevant? Meaning I feel like the kitschy stuff works like, and I'm not saying the, the sock, like if you're able to make it relevant, it's great. But like the Google homes, like to me, never, ever, ever. The only people that take demos for Google homes are low level employees. Facts. Like, I can afford, I can buy a lot of, I can do that. You know, like I don't need another Google, right? Like, so to me, like, I feel like at the top of the funnel in particular, it has to be relevant. So like whenever we do our ABM, you know, what'll happen is I'll read a book around sales organization effectiveness or something. And I'll literally bookmark the chapters that I think another CEO would like. And we mail them the book. Right. And then we have like a very thoughtful follow up sequence between email calls and, and LinkedIn. But for me, I feel like at the top of the funnel to cut through the noise, we like enough people are doing Amazon dots now and Google homes that like we're, we've kind of already jumped that piece now. So like now we're on to the next. And and to me, it's like the gift has to be relevant. And that's what I challenge my team, whether it's our consultants in the field or whether it's our team at scale is like we are not doing this stuff if we can't tie it back to like why a CEO should care or why a senior executive should care. So uh, we, you know, we did a big campaign with a company, they do iPad waitlist management. So we shipped iPads preloaded with a video that we had made. Obviously it's easier, but, but we did the iPads because it fit for that business. Whereas an iPad might not work if it's not relevant from a content standpoint. So anytime that we're thinking about door openers, it's like, how can I tie it to their business? And a new thing that we're, we're experimenting with are these things. There's this guy, Ed Golid, he does these things called speed sheets. And basically he has a team of analysts and they'll break down a company's annual report into like very specific things and then do a cost benefit analysis for you. Again, it's like, who's my audience? It's a CEO. What does a CEO want to see? Numbers. And then we're also sending it to the CFO. What does the CFO want to see? You know, cost benefit, right? ROI. So uh, we always try to be very thoughtful with our clients on, on who's the target, what's the types of content they like to consume and, and how can we make it relevant? And those are the, that's how we, we 
we do both internally at scaled and and as our consultants in the field or you know we we advise them when we're working with our clients is is it relevant how do you make it relevant and, and as impactful as possible love that um as we can wrap this up i think uh both of you are speaking at bb smx conference so would you guys give like one minute promo of like what are you going to be speaking at the conference and why should people be excited about it I'm excited to chat at the conference. Uh, my session is going to be how to use ABM for retention efforts. So, so much of ABM is focused on acquisition and that's great. But like Jake mentioned, we shouldn't be ignoring our existing customers and there's tons of money sitting on the table. So how can you use ABM? How can you and your team use ABM to capture that revenue? So I'm excited to meet so many people and, and share that story. Every sales leader should attend her session. Like I feel like every CEO, every sales leader needs to attend that session. I like I, I cannot. I am so bullish on the mistreatment of current customers right now. It's silly. Like and 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 I I can only imagine. I'm sure you can't get into it, but they're like forecasted revenue or net negative churn, right? Like we think 110% net negative is like a good thing. I guarantee the results they saw were like hockey stick. And I I feel like there's just so much money. So. I love that session. I will come. I'll attend. I'll share lead for you because I think Great. it's important. Um, so I'm going to be talking about you know kind of like where we're headed as as a, as kind of a sales culture and as as sales as a discipline. Um, you know I have the luxury now you know kind of being removed from being a, an in an in-house VP of sales. Now my team and myself you know we're working with hundreds of organizations every year as you know interim parts of their sales organization, staff augmentation, different part, you know, so we get a chance to see so many different flavors of what leading edge companies are doing to really either crack the mold or to double down on things that are working. And so really my goal is to talk about where is sales heading, uh, you know, based on trends that we're seeing in, like live in the field, you know, over the next, you know, 2020, 2021, 2022. And so we'll be talking about everything from social to AI, and, and, and I think the thing that you'll try that I always try to bring to all these talks is super tactical takeaways. So this isn't just going to be like a theoretical talk on the future of sales. Like as a frontline salesperson or sales leader or VP or CEO, there will be something in there that you can immediately action on with your sales and marketing work. So prepare for a very high level topic that we're going to get really, really tactical on. That, that I think is a really important message that salespeople need to start to think about because our world is changing super rapidly and it's not going to slow down. No doubt. I, I would say every marketer should attend that session because yeah. I think people, which is why we have organized it that way where literally there's a marketing session, then a sales session, and then a marketing and sales leader session. So each day, each, like it's literally, that's how it's completely arranged. So hopefully people will enjoy and get value from both. It's not about one or the other. It's like, learn from the other so you know, i do want to jump in because a last minute question that i think is one of if not the best question we've gotten all week throughout these sessions so krista wants to know if, how do you guys feel abm looks how is it different as a scrappy startup versus an established company so as far as the skill set can be as both a marketer and a sales professional how does that look different if you've got a sales team of five people a sales team of 150 people what does like a day-to-day -day background what skills do you guys need and how do you guys think? Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll get some insight to that. Yeah, I think it's I think it's probably it's a really, really important question because there's so many companies out there that might have 20 people in their sales org and three people in marketing are like, yeah, this sounds great. Um, 
I think the most important thing is to think about you don't ABM doesn't have to be for all your accounts, right? I think a lot of people get stuck is like, do I have to go 100% or not? You can still be running kind of your core plays for your 80% or 20% of accounts. But the rules and kind of engagement and things that, that Jillian and I talked about are the same. Meaning the key thing is to establish an owner, right? Establish one person who's responsible, establish a plan over the course of the next three months of what you're going to do, right? Make sure that you have the logistics worked out. I think that to me, what would stop small teams from doing it is logistics. They're just like, I don't know how to do this. And like, look, a lot of you are probably using sales engagement software, like sales loft or outreach, and you can build these steps into your sales engagement platform, right? Of like packaged goods, send goods, you know, like, and so I think to me, a lot of this is assign an owner, build out the tactical plan up front for the first and the subsequent, like the, the first two or three things you want to do, make sure that lives and breathes in your sales engagement platform. And I don't care if you have a team of five, you should have a sales engagement platform, just period, just table stakes. And then that should, that should give you the highest opportunity to win. You know, you have an owner, you, you baked it out, and then you have it built into a system that kind of does a lot of the thinking for you. I feel like that's the super grassroots version. In terms of the only thing to add to that is in terms of just general skill sets to look for for ABM marketers, or if you're a team of three people in Jake's example, you know, three three person marketer team, you know, making sure I like the word scrappy that that Bailey, you mentioned, making sure that and I, I that's one of my favorite words that I use often in hiring, just making sure that you have someone who can act quickly with urgency but also making sure that whatever message they're putting out is completely relevant to the audience. And I know that is, you know, very a broad statement, but making sure that you're following those processes that Jake just outlined, knowing what you're going to do and what your plan is and being willing to test small. You don't have to start with a full program and go all in on ABM across all of your accounts. That's not what, you know, is always most successful. It's not, you know, what, you can expect most companies to do large or small. We don't do that at Thompson Reuters. We're, you know, like Jake mentioned, you know, we're a company that runs our core plays and then ABM's layered on top of that. So we're select companies. So just being willing to flex and, and hire scrappy, fast and smart marketers. I love that. Oh, love that. Love that. Oh, again, thank you so much, both of you for sharing so much. I can't wait to see both of you in person. Give a big bear hug when we meet up there. Big fan of both of you in the world. So thank you for sharing so much wisdom today. So that is all we have for you guys today. Again, again, we really appreciate Jake and Jillian, you both for taking the time to join us today. And for everybody in the audience, thank you as well for listening in. Feel free to reach back out. If you guys have any follow-up questions, we're more than happy to answer them. And I hope you guys all have a wonderful day. We'll see you soon. Thank you, everyone. Thank you. You've been listening to the Flip My Funnel podcast. To make sure that you never miss an episode, subscribe to the show in your favorite podcast player. If you have an iPhone, we'd love for you to open the Apple Podcasts app and leave a review. Thank you so much for listening. Until next time.